Welcome to Kareem and the Coach, featuring your hosts, Kareem Rush and the coach, Eric Newman. With their unique insights and connections, you never know who'll stop by or what's on the game plan. The one thing we can guarantee is some exciting combo. It's time to check ball. Now here's Kareem and the coach. Just when you thought it would be quiet, just when you thought the Cavs had nowhere to turn, just when you thought D. Wade wouldn't be able to return to his paradise, just when you thought Isaiah Thomas's journey through this season couldn't get any worse, we have the 2018 NBA trade deadline. Kareem, Kareem and the coach breaking down the deadline. Kareem, can you believe what we saw on deadline day in the NBA? No, I cannot. It was like LeBron's fire sale. <laughs> it was. I, I was actually uh, in practice stretching, and we was kind of wrapping up practice, and you know, coach came over to us like, "Yo, you see, it got moved." We was like, "What?" <laughs> and then we go. Everybody go to their phone and start seeing what happened. You know, doing practice. So, uh, a lot of amazing, a lot of crazy moves. Uh, you know, the Cavs had to do something. You know, you know, people have seen over the course of the last, you know, since that it trade, there's been a lot of dissension. You know, within the ranks, you know, of that team. So. You know, LeBron being the GM that he is, you know, decided to make a move. And, uh, you know, I've never seen as many players, you know, leave one team you know, that, that happened yesterday. But, you know, to shake things up to compete with the Warriors, you got to do you got to do crazy things. So I felt Cleveland, you know, made some good moves. Uh, they, they definitely got younger, more athletic. Um, but, you know, just a crazy scenario to see all those guys leaving one in one day. Yeah. And, and you say compete with the Warriors. I mean, it got to the point where they weren't sure if they can compete with, you know, three or four teams in the Eastern Conference. So yeah. bef- before we go there, let, let's run this down real quick. First, it's Isaiah Thomas, his expiring contract. And it's crazy to talk about a guy who was a top five MVP candidate oh, last year. Now we're talking about him as an expiring contract. That sucks. Dude. Isaiah so Thomas, bad. yeah, I, I mean, as a, as a lifelong Celtics fan and a guy that just, you know, fell in love with him last year and everything that he, he did and represented, it's, it's, it's hard to see the realities of, of this business, but this is, this is what you signed up for when you're making millions and playing basketball. I think he hurt himself, though. I mean, he yeah. was doing too much talking, you know, coming in thinking that he was, you know, 1A to LeBron's. I mean, yeah, he was trying to, he thought he was on the same part as LeBron. Like, this is their team, you know, and that was, that's why I commend Kyrie being able to do what he did, you know, because it's a huge shadow playing underneath LeBron. And no matter what type of player you are, when you come into that, you know, scenario in Cleveland, you know who the top dog is. So there's no, there's no 1B. It's LeBron and everybody else. So I think Isaiah definitely didn't do himself any favors, you know, talking to, you know, what they did in the media, you know, the dissension within the ranks of the other players. Uh, I think it was something that needed to be done. You know, it's it's a very interesting point. It's, it's Thomas Fry, the Cavs pick. I repeat, the Cavs 2018 pick, not the pick that uh, came to them in the Kyrie deal from Brooklyn to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. So before we break down the pieces to that trade, you make a really good point on Isaiah and him almost being too hard-headed and stubborn about coming in and saying this is who I am and this is what I'm going to bring to the table instead of really trying to excuse me feel his way out and figure out okay how do I get my legs back what does this team need and of course how do I fit in next to the greatest player on the planet my question for you Kareem about the talking is I feel like he started to set himself up 
last year for some real negative when he started talking about bringing out the Brinks trucks and paying them the big money and he was so humble and appreciative of everything that had happened to him up until that point and I feel like when Isaiah started to talk like that last year when questions were raised whether the Celtics were going to you know max him out and extend his contract I feel like that was the beginning of this domino effect do you, do you recall what I'm talking about I, I definitely yeah I remember for sure I mean I remember the uh, the graphics they were having on ESPN showing the Brinks trucks kind of rolling in for him so uh, I mean in, in, in today's age you know as an athlete you do want to make as much, much money as, as you possibly can in your, pre- your playing career and you know when you make that kind of the focus you're, you're labeled as you know a money hungry guy and you know, you know before that you know he was just happy to be on you know happy to be part of a team you know once you have a little bit of success he had, he had tremendous success you know, you start thinking about those other ancillary things like, you know, contracts and being maxed out, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, a maxed out player is not just somebody who can go out there and score 30. You know, I think a lot of, you know, Isaiah's deficiencies are, are, are rearing his head because you don't have the Celtics in that defense or whatever Brad Stevens to be, have, have being able to mask him. And then when you're not asked to score 30 points a game or be the fourth quarter closer, you know, all those other things, you know, in your game tend to stick out more. You know, LeBron is the, the, the leader of that team. He, he has the ball in his hand. So, Isaiah, you're not going to score 30. But now you're going to give up 30 on the defensive end. You know, when you're scoring 30, other things become you know, a little bit more masked. And, and they would hide him a little bit more. But now, like I said, you know, it's out. Isaiah is what he is. You know, I think he lost a lot of money, you know, in this this whole Cleveland deal, you know, uh, you know, for him this, this summer. Yeah, and, and you make a great point about, you know, being able to hide him on defense. And the flip side of that is, offensively, Brad Stevens put him in the best position possible to succeed. And I'm not saying Isaiah doesn't deserve any credit. He deserves all the credit shared with Coach Stevens because he he's the one that had to take the contact and make the big shots and continue to work on his game. And he was clearly an improved and more efficient scorer last year than he was when he arrived in Boston before the 2015 trade deadline. But I think a lot is lost on the fact, Kareem, that this guy was put in the perfect positions to succeed offensively, and I don't think we're going to see that again in terms of him in any situation in the NBA. What, what resonates with you about a player like that being set up for success with, what do you want to call it, a system, a strategy, or the personnel around him? I mean, the NBA is really all about opportunity and, like you said, situation. You know, So he was in an ideal situation where you got the ball in your hands 90% of the time and they're relying on you to score. And we got everybody setting picks for you. If you're a halfway decent NBA player, you should be able to kind of, you know, you know, make, you know, score some points, you know. So not taking any away from my team, you're right. You still got to make the bucket. You still got to go out there and play. And, and he did an amazing job in the fourth quarter and what he did, you know, last year. But, you know, it's not crazy. I mean, you give a lot of guys that opportunity in the NBA that they can put up some of the numbers. So it was a situation where he was in a, the perfect, you know, you know, perfect storm of, you know, the coach, you know, believed in him. The teammates wanted to see him score. He didn't have to play a lot of defense. Um, but that's not the, the that's not the situation on every team. So you know, like I said, Cleveland, he's not asked to score thirty points. You got you got to be more than just an offensive player, and it's showing that he's not much of that. And now, like I said, now it's becoming a, a huge topic that 
you know, he's not playing any defense. But, I mean, L.A. could be a good move for him. He's going to score. they got a fast pace, you know, up and down style. Um, you know, I know he came out already. His agent said he's not going to, you know, come off the bench. So he's already <laughs> caused issues before he even get there. Uh, but in the, the day, you know, coaches got to play player. They, they want to win, so I'm sure he's going to be out there. Uh, I'm sure he's going to score. Uh, but like I said, I think, I think he's definitely taking a big game, you know, for his uh, his market value this summer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll, we'll continue on, you know, what this deal means for the Lakers uh, on on the other side of the break. So it and Fry again go to L.A. Clarkson and Nance go to Cleveland. And I, I, I like those pieces. We'll dig in in a moment. Then you have Cleveland, Utah, and Sacramento with the three-way trade. The Cavs send Derrick Rose, the point guard formerly known as Derrick Rose. Yeah. Jake and Jake Crowder, who really, really struggled in Cleveland, and again to the point that we just made on Isaiah took full advantage of his opportunity in Boston to shine and was not in the same situation in Cleveland. They go to Utah. Sacramento trades George Hill to the Cavs. The Jazz trade Rodney Hood to the Cavs, if everyone's still following. (laughs) And then Shumpert and Joe Johnson from Cleveland and Utah, respectfully, end up on the Kings. So this is the one that really, really had me, yeah, had my full attention because what George Hill and Rodney Hood can do both starting tomorrow for Cleveland and in the future is very intriguing to me. Uh, give me your take on the Cavs bringing in the veteran point guard and, of course, the, the lefty swingman shooter uh, in Rodney Hood. I mean, I love all the moves. The problem with Cleveland this year is they had a lot of players that have had a lot of success in the NBA. So when you come and try to, you know, you bring all those guys together and try to find, you know, those distinct roles, it's hard for guys to kind of, you know, settle into those. Regardless if you win a championship and then you start losing, you know, it becomes even harder. Um, You know, so I think the moves they made, they bring it in, like I said, a young crop of guys. Uh, I really like the um, Larry Nance and, and Jordan Clarkson move. Those guys are going to be excited just to be on the court with LeBron. You know, so it's not going to be some egos out there where they're trying to, they think they're on the same level as him. They want to, you know, be around his greatness and, and get a chance to play with him. So I think the move was great there. Uh, Kobe Altman did a great job. I don't know how he pulled it off, <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he, he made some magic. I, I like, um, I, li- I, lo- I really love George Hill. You know, solidifies the point guard spot for Cleveland. You know, steady guy. Uh, was was behind was not playing much in, in sack behind uh, the young guys, but you know I think he bring, he brings some stability to that to that to that uh, that point guard, a great locker room guy. Um, and I'm like I said, all in all, I think Cleveland made hell of moves. That they are going all in, you know, for LeBron this year, uh, showing him that they're committed to you know you know doing things differently. You know, he wanted you know want to change it, and they made it happen. Um, they so got see. they got more athletic. Uh, they. As you put it, they, they shipped some ego out and took back a lot less ego. Clarkson and Hood are guys that can make things happen uh, with the dribble and, and get their own shot when needed. The steadiness of George Hill, I think, helps this team big time. And Larry Nance is um, is a, a great piece of writing yesterday by Zach Lowe of ESPN. And he talked about the fact that Larry Nance is one of the few guys in the league who on every possession, the only thing he's looking to do is to make a play for his teammates. Yeah. Whether that's uh, a hard basket cut to occupy a defender 
whether that's a pin down screen, whether it's a box out, whatever it is, that's the type of guy that Cleveland's getting, and he can play multiple positions defensively, uh, which is is a big big thing for them. Uh, because of their limitations on the front line, especially with Kevin Love still out. Uh, So before we head to this first break, uh, one more move, which I was um, surprised to see and I guess happy to see because it it creates that quote-unquote Hollywood ending, is uh, Dwayne Wade is no longer yep. a Cavalier, and he goes back to Miami for a uh, conditional 2024 20, second-round pick. So this was almost like, uh, Dwayne, we, we want to do what's best for you and, and help you you know, enjoy your final days in the league because this obviously wasn't working and he was losing minutes. What do you make of Wade going back to the Heat, who as of today sit at 7 in the Eastern Conference playoff race? Again, again, thank you, LeBron, GM LeBron. I think LeBron was looking out for his boy. Um, didn't want him being part of the, you know, like I said, the fire sale. And with those young guys coming in, you know, his role was definitely going to be diminished with, with Jordan Clarkson and George Hill. Um, you know, so that, that role D-Wade was playing was kind of facilitating and kind of leading that second second unit. You know, it was always going to shrink. So, you know, I, I like to move him going back home. It's, it's only right. Uh, he should never left Miami. I think that it, that issue between him and Pat Riley was, uh, you know, un- unnecessary. And, you know, the last two or three years for D-Wade was, you know, just kind of a, you know, basketball odyssey. You're going to Chicago and then, you know, Cleveland. So it's good to see him go home, you know, close out his career. You know, like the, the Heat's all-time great player. So I'm sure the city's excited. I'm sure he's excited. Uh, I mean, it's just a great move for, for, for both people all around. That's the first move between the two organizations since LeBron left Cleveland to go to Miami in the summer of 2010. Crazy. Only right for it to come go. Yeah, to go back. <laughs> Crazy. So that's cool. So that standstill is over. You're listening to Kareem and the Coach on Voice America Sports. We'll be back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hunter participation plays a vital role in funding for wildlife management. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we'll talk about recruiting new hunters, hunter education, and so much more. Joining us is Allie and Adriana Armstrong of Grace, Camel, and Lace, Eva Shockey from Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, and Greg Randolph with Decked. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to Kareem and the Coach. Want to add your voice to the conversation? Call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or drop a line via email to kareemandthecoach at gmail.com. Now back to the show. And we're back on Kareem and the coach, Kareem Rush with the coach, Eric Newman. Just broke down all of the moves by the Cleveland Cavaliers from Thursday's a very exciting NBA trade deadline. And Kareem, it was interesting. I didn't know... I didn't know what to think and feel going into the day. And everyone was trying to temper expectations from, all right, chatter has really died down, and it's going to be a slow day. And then obviously this chaos ensued. But there were a lot of names that were in rumors that were not moved. And I'm going to just throw the big ones out there that weren't, and then I want your take on it. Kemba Walker stays in Charlotte, scores 40 points Thursday night after not being moved and being named an all-star replacement. Good for Kemba. Lou Williams is staying with the Clippers, signed an extension. Tyreek Evans, who had the most friendly deal and an expiring one at that at $3 million, was very coveted. He stays in Memphis. DeAndre Jordan doesn't get shipped from the Clippers. Avery Bradley isn't shipped to a contender from the Clippers. And thankfully, Marcus Smart is not mm-hmm. traded from the Boston Celtics. So what really caught your eye in terms of who was not moved on Thursday? Um, I mean, I was really surprised by Lou and, and DeAndre. I mean, with the Clippers, I thought they were really just going to kind of, like I said, do another fire sale. You know, they, they let go of CP and obviously the Blake move. You know, so that was kind of like the ending of that, the Lob City area. And, you know, I think Lou could have, you know, been, been a nice piece uh, and got some young guys back in. But, you know, it, it could be something that they signed that deal and use them as trade, you know, value this summer. You never know. Um, but I was surprised that he didn't move DeAndre, the same thing. Um, you know, uh, I mean, here at Houston, we hear a lot of different places that he may end up. Um, but, like I said, another, you know, something they can do sometimes to take care of the summer. Uh, Tyreek, uh, I mean, could get a, uh, like you said, a, a very friendly contract. I was surprised. I mean, I heard Boston and a few other teams were looking at him. Surprised he didn't get moved. Um, but you know, you know, you never know what happens in, in in these you know back offices and what's really going on and why these deals can't go through. You know, I mean, analysts can assume and, and hope for trades, but you know, you never know how how these deals you know pl- kind of play out. So it is what it is. Tyreek, I believe they were asking for too much. Um, Celtics offer two second-round picks and uh, a young player not in the rotation. Um, they were looking for a first-round pick, and I think Memphis was really overvaluing uh, Tyreek on the market. Now, as far as an individual talent and what he can bring to a team and the way he's played this season, I mean, he's been terrific, but teams weren't going to give up um, a, a very valuable future asset for, for a rental. 
And, yeah. and, and it is contract year too, so it might be a one-time deal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and you know what? I haven't asked you yet today. Is were you ever involved in a deadline deal as a player? Uh, not deadline deal. I the only time I got traded, I requested to be traded after my third year. Is after the finals year when they was doing our own fire sale when Kobe decided to kind of change the team and that that third year that summer that summer I had a great you know second year had hit those threes in the Western Conference Finals so Phil Jackson in our in, in our summer meetings like okay I'm gonna start I plan on starting you and Kobe at the two and three next year so that whole summer I'm gearing up for you know my first you know official starting spot and then and everything changed Rudy T came in and had a whole different mindset on and you know how he wanted to run things and I was basically put behind Kobe um, as far as on the depth chart, so I, I wasn't seeing very many minutes. So I just I, I requested to be traded, um, you know, my third year, and got shipped off to another team that I wanted. Initially, I was supposed to be shipped to uh, either Denver, which uh, my boy, uh, one of my good friends, Josh Cronkite at the time, owned the team, still does, or uh, New Jersey. Uh, this is before they got Vince, so it was still an open spot for that two guard. And in the day, they shipped me to Charlotte, so it was Lakers. Uh, kind of, you know, a, a thumbs up, finger up to me saying, okay, you want to be traded, we're going to send you to the worst team in the league. And it was it was Charlotte's first expansion year, you know, so that was a tough, yeah, tough this, transition. And this was the Charlotte Bobcats, not the Charlotte Bobcats. Hornets. Yeah, Bobcats. This is Bob Johnson era. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So I went from the NBA Finals one year to the next year on expansion, Charlotte Bobcats. So I went from sold out arenas every game, every road trip to barely having the the first bowl uh, filled up with nobody knowing you in Charlotte it was it was it was it was depressing actually what what was what did you take from that experience looking back on it i mean i don't want to go off on a, i don't want you to go off on a whole thing on it today but what what did you what did you take from that sometimes the grass isn't green on the other side you know be careful what you wish for you know it was my decision to kind of leave uh, LA they wanted me there and I thought if I would have wrote it out Rudy you know left a year and a half later and Phil came back uh, and then they ended up winning two championships so I think if I would have stayed I definitely have been a you know Laker for you know a number of different years so but you can't look hindsight is you know I don't do that very often but uh, yeah decisions um, you know Charlotte was a learning experience uh, I got a chance to play a lot of this start had, had, had some good moments there but it definitely was in LA uh, always, always interesting when when players can look back on the journey and and what was and what was taken, and um, and I'm sorry, what was learned uh, on that journey. So, you know, you talk about the Clippers, and you know they obviously just traded Blake Griffin, which we talked about on our first show, and Detroit is off to a very fine start with him. Um, it's interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, Still with DeAndre and and obviously signing Lou, um, and and having Avery Bradley there too. Um, what do you what did you make of Kemba Walker and and Charlotte? You know, kind of putting him on the block, but not really. What did you make of that? I mean, it is a business, you know. So you know, Kemba is a highly coveted player. I'm sure he would have been a target for a lot of teams so it's, it's all about value and what you can get back I'm sure they got something back that they you know thought could help their franchise if they're moving in the right direction they would have made the move um, but they're not contending I'm sure every, every player wants to contend you know winning and, and playing and scoring a bunch of points is fun and, and dandy and making money but at the end of the day you're a competitor and you want to win and you want to you want to compete for a championship so I don't think he sees that in, in Charlotte right now um, you know, so um, I guess the, the, it didn't work out. You know, the, they didn't get the pieces they wanted, and so they, they keep them. You know, uh, 
summertime can always happen. Trades. I mean, players are always available for trades. It's all, all about getting the right the, the right situation. Yeah, and he's got a very friendly contract. The word is Cleveland really wanted him as late as still three o'clock yesterday, and I think the um, I, I think the decision was to trade the Brooklyn pick or not, and then after they traded their first round pick to the Lakers. Um, Cleveland's own pick by league rules you're not allowed to trade multiple first round picks um, Mm. within the same season so if Cleveland's going to move that pick uh, which the only way they do that is if they get a commitment that LeBron is going to stay that can't happen until the NBA draft so speaking of LeBron speaking of the Cavs moves um, you know what the Cavs are up against in the Eastern Conference you know the pieces they shipped out. You know the pieces they brought in. Two questions for you. Is this enough to keep LeBron James in Cleveland? Do they have enough to make the NBA Finals? And is, are those two tied together? Do the Cavs have enough to make the Finals? And is that what it's going to take to keep LeBron there? I think it's, yeah, I think it's definitely tied to the rest of the season um, on, on both of those. I, I think they do. Whenever you have LeBron, it is the East. Um, you know, Boston strong, Toronto, couple teams, but no one's just really stand out like, okay, I'm scared of them. You know, LeBron all of a sudden got together that Cleveland couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't beat Cleveland in a seven-game series. It's hard to beat LeBron in a seven-game series. So you always got to look at that. Um, the pieces they made, yeah. I mean, I said that they're young, they're more athletic. Um, you got guys who are coming in hungry, you know, want to, you know, like I said, play for LeBron, you know, get a chance to even compete, uh, you know, for, you know, to go to the finals, you know, because like I said, it is the East, you know, guys coming from the Lakers been, you know, on terrible teams, you know, in the last few years. So George Hill wasn't playing. So they have not been the ability to, to compete again for championship, going to entice guys, get guys excited. So I'm sure they're going to come out gung-ho. They're going to play well uh, second half of the season. If they make it to the finals or at least it's kind of fun, I think LeBron may be willing to stay. I think if he leaves, it kind of tarnishes his legacy. I think he just kind of needs to ride it out. Him joining, you know, Houston or, I mean, I, I can see him joining the Lakers. That that could be a good move. Um, you know, I, I know he wants to bring back that that franchise. Uh, you know, obviously being a big market would be something, you know, enticing for him. But I think the best bet for him is to kind of stay where he is and kind of, you know, build on what he's already done in Cleveland. Uh, and I think those pieces can help him do that. I, I think the best thing for the NBA and his legacy is to stay in Cleveland. You know, the move ironically that was made between the Cavs and the Lakers yesterday helps the Lakers be in a position to bring in two now huge free agents either the summer of 2018 or the summer of 2019. So Cleveland actually helped LA better position itself to bring in LeBron and a Paul George or LeBron and another player, which is very, very ironic. I think it's just the deal they had to take, had, had to make. Either we got to take this deal and, and, and go in all this year, and only the only workable party that made sense and, and with a good deal was the Lakers. I think both teams won. I mean, both teams won on this trade, and that's very rare. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I'm thinking about the Cleveland lineup combos going down the stretch here: George Hill, Rodney Hood, Kevin Love when he's back. LeBron James and Kyle Korver on the floor is scary. They're tough. They're going to be tough. I mean, they got, like I said, they got now more working pieces. A lot less ego. 
um, guys who are more probably willing to set their roles and come in there and play. Uh, I said that's, that's what I think. But I mean, like Jay Crowder, he struggled, but he's coming from a Boston system where the ball's moving, it's free flowing, it's motion. Guys are always touching the ball. You'd be surprised if you if we don't when you don't touch the ball on the offensive end, it really <laughs> it hurts every other aspect of your game. You just want to be more involved. So to have those guys be sitting in the corner, what IT was doing is kind of waiting on things to come to him. It's a tough transition for guys who's always been coming from different systems. It's Your comparison is so spot on. You watch the Cavs, and it's half the time. It's four guys standing and watching and waiting yeah. for their man to leave them for a dribble drive to the basket, which in the past was Kyrie or LeBron, which has now only been LeBron this year. And it's all right. Catch and shoot if it's presented. It sucks. It uh, sucks. It's as terrible. A player. It's and terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's the worst. Like I, yeah, I've done it. Like go sit in the corner. It, it make it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. So just be able to touch the ball and free flow. Even if it's not coming to you, you know it's not coming to you. You know the play is going to end up with LeBron getting a screen and roll. That's fine. But to be able to have to move the ball and, and move and, and flow and do all that, yeah, it, it keeps guys you know active. Yeah, so to be able to, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't want to play with LeBron. And just stand in the corner and, and sit there, it'd be terrible. But as a, if Kyle Corbett, that's perfect because you're just looking for guys to hand you the ball. But as another player who got more to his game, it could be very frustrating. More on playing with LeBron, the NBA trade deadline, and the second half of the season on Kareem and the coach right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hunter participation plays a vital role in funding for wildlife management. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we'll talk about recruiting new hunters, hunter education, and so much more. Joining us is Allie and Adriana Armstrong of Grace, Camo, and Lace, Eva Shockey from Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, and Greg Randolph with Decked. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to Kareem and the Coach. Want to add your voice to the conversation? Call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or drop a line via email to kareemandthecoach at gmail.com. 
Now back to the show. And we're back on Kareem and the coach. Kareem Rush with the coach, Eric Newman. Kareem, you were just talking about the Cavs, how they run their offense, playing with LeBron James, which can be very rewarding at times and very difficult at times. My question for you is, couldn't life be easier for him and his teammates if they ran some more team-oriented stuff and or had him in the post a little bit more, which he's been working on the last few years? Um, yeah, but it's really what LeBron wants at, at the end of the day. I mean, I think selfishly he, 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 he goes at the numbers, even though he may not say it or it may not come out that way. But as a player, you know when guys play a certain way and what, they, what they're looking to do. Uh, with all this triple double talk with, with, with Westbrook and numbers being blown out everywhere, and what James Harden is doing, I think LeBron definitely has it in the back of his head. Even though he doesn't need to, he's a four-time you know uh, MVP, but that's in the back of his head. How can I put up the numbers to compete with these guys? Because in his mind, he thinks he's the MVP every year. He he does see himself in, in the veins of Jordan, where every year he's a, he's the best player on the planet, so he should get MVP every year. So he's trying to keep up with those numbers and, and have those amazing seasons that these guys are having. Uh, and, and that's the only reason why he's not been MVP every year because these guys are having these once in a lifetime seasons. So he's trying to keep up with that. And you know, twenty six eight and eight are standard numbers for him, uh, but they're not the triple double from Westbrook or the 60, 60 point triple double, you know, for Harden. So those numbers are becoming even more, you know, popular with players and, and, and things that they want to they want to get. That's interesting. Obviously, he's a very competitive guy. Obviously, the greats of whether it's this era, the Jordan era, obviously Bird and Magic were looking at each other's box scores every night, competing with each other. Um, they set a bar for themselves. They set a bar for the guys that they want to out-duel. Um, that's an interesting take because I do think that he's also in the mindset of, you know, he'll do whatever it takes to win the game that night, whether he's got to dish out 14 assists, whether he's got to go score 40 um, the stat the stat chasing is interesting. My point is, he's such a tremendous passer. He's such a physical presence. He's completely unstoppable below the free throw line once he gets moving in terms of his physicality, ability to finish and play through contact. I don't understand why he's not living elbow elbow extended and off the block on a more regular basis it just it baffles me it really does he has too much responsibility he has, he's the point guard you know so I, I think once his game adventure starts he doesn't like he's slowing down I think he still is in the mindset that he can do what he, he, and he still can do everything he's always done you know so I don't think that, I mean that's the, I mean, he, he, he does spend a, lot, a little bit more time in the post but he, it should be a 50-50 deal like he'd be a tough he'd be a tough guard but I think as his game and you know as his game you know evolves I mean what I'm talking about he's in his 15th year I can't say his, as his game evolves uh, but it could be an aspect that he can you know do a little bit more but you know at the end of the day uh, it is what it is uh, they, they run the, everything through him uh, but hopefully like I said I, I think this, this influx of talent you know George Hill can take him off the ball jo- uh, Jordan Clarkson can bring him off the ball a little bit more it could be a good, a good situation for him at least you know release some of the pressure off him put him on the post and let him work he's talked about it before he's talked about the work that he's put into his post game he's talked about studying film he looks at the great players from the past you can you can see how much better he's gotten I mean that game when he when he 
he put what did he put fifty something on Washington? Yeah, and he's he, on the post, and he lived <laughs> and he and he lived on the post. That that's why I don't get it. And and the other guy that doesn't play on the post enough, who's out right now, is Kevin Love. And yeah. you know, you talk about needing to get guys into the flow and into the game. You know, Kevin Love is is a easy guy to get going at the beginning of every game if you're the Cavs and make the defense have to worry about him. And I don't understand why when Kevin Love is healthy and 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 playing, he's not getting post touches in the first quarter of every game to establish his presence on the block and make the defense worry about that. Thank you, Golden State. You know, you should be dunks with a glamour things now is three point shooting. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the office has changed. It is a really different NBA. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, like I said, LeBron. It was, it was what these moves do. I mean, I, said, I, I like the moves. Um, LeBron can pretty much do anything he wants. So if he decides to go in the post, you know, he, he will. Um, but we'll see what they can do with this new crew. So speaking of new NBA, um, the Lakers obviously have been in this rebuild mode. It's ironic now that they're uh, on their best stretch of the season with Lonzo Ball on the bench, which I find uh, hysterical. Uh, they wanted to move Jordan Clarkson's contract. They did. Uh, they lose who I think will be a very good player one day in uh, Larry Nance Jr. They take back uh, Channing Frye. They take back Isaiah Thomas's contract that is up this summer, and they get Cleveland's first round pick so my question for you is with the flexibility that the Lakers have now created and the fact that they are beginning to win some games with these young guys uh, led of course by uh, Kyle Kuzma who's been standing um, what do you see the Lakers achieving this offseason now that they have all this flexibility and, and salary cap room they got options now. Um, I know people are targeting LeBron and, and, and Paul, but I, I don't really like Paul move there. I mean, he's an L.A. guy, but with, the, with, with Kuzma doing what he's doing, they're just kind of throwing him right into his position. So, uh, I, I, granted, I know the NBA is, you know, it, it's small ball now, it's positionless league, but those are two, you know, dominant, you know, three men that, you know, you, you don't want to stifle you know, Kuzman's growth bringing in somebody like Paul George because, you know, obviously that, that's going to have him take a back seat, you know, for that. So, Lakers just did a good job of, you know, opening up opportunities for him. You know, LeBron's obviously the target. Uh, I think if they clear Luol Deng's uh, contract as well, they got up, they, they can actually do three max players. You know, so, you know, LA's a destination spot, you know, glamour franchise, you know, so they're going to have any short of takers that guys want to be, you know, come there and play. Uh, and with talent like Ingram and Kuz and Lonzo, they set themselves up for you know pretty interesting you know next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, I, I think Paul George could fit there because of the positionless basketball and the wing versatility. But it will be interesting to see who the targets are and what the cadence is. If you recall, last summer, the Celtics knew because of the way uh, NBA contracts are structured. And and the way the cap was structured, they had to sign Gordon Hayward before they can make whatever big trade that they wanted to. So everyone was faulting them for not coughing up the assets for Paul George and not trading for Jimmy Butler. But they had to sign Hayward first. Mm-hmm. And the irony of that is they then end up with Kyrie Irving. 
which is absolutely still incredible. Uh, the amazing Danny Age, man. The OG, <laughs> the OG yeah, is the alchemist. <laughs> speaking of Danny Age, speaking of the Celtics, last night they uh, Thursday night last night as we are Friday today February 9th, they uh, won an exciting road game in overtime against the Washington Wizards. It was without John Wall, but the Wizards have been actually playing very good team ball since he's been out. Uh, the Celtics debuted their new big man, Greg Monroe. What, what do you make of that move, and, and what does Greg Monroe bring to the Celtics in terms of both uh, his skill set and needed depth on the front line? Uh, a versatile post player. I mean, in, in, in the veins of you know Al Horford. You know, guys who can stretch, not not as you can't stretch the floor as well as Al, but you can knock down a 15 foot jumper. Um, you know, good facilitator. Uh, you know, good with it back back to the basket. You know, there's a few guys left that can score. You know, down there. So I, all in all, I think it's a good move. You know, it solidifies their bench. You know, a guy who can definitely come in and start. You know, if necessary. Um, so definitely, the Celtics position themselves to you know make some noise this year. Um, I love every move they've done. Um, love the young boys. Obviously, love Kyrie. Um, been like I said, I, I think Brad Stevens is one of the top you know three coaches in the league. So I always liked Monroe. I liked Monroe at Georgetown. I thought he was a terrific uh, high post, low post guy. He's a really good scorer. Uh, you know, he's he's got a little funkiness to him with the left hand. He's not a great finisher because he doesn't get off the ground very well, but he, he likes to mix it up. He plays physical. And within 10 minutes last night of real time, he got on the floor twice. He had a drop step and one finish to his right hand, and he got a technical foul. So you, you talk about a hotbed of activity in his debut, and plus he was playing in Washington, and of course he played at Georgetown. So very familiar surroundings uh, last night during his debut. So I've got a great feeling about that pickup. And um, Charles Barkley said last night he he thinks that Gordon Hayward's going to be on the floor this season. Uh, That's crazy. If you were the Celtics and you were a Hayward, even if the doctors said you can take the floor, would you wait it out until next year? I mean, if the doctors say you're good, you're good. Uh, and I'm sure Sub's got a great medical staff. Uh, you know, you don't want to miss out on any opportunity to do great things in this league. Uh, you know, so they got an opportunity to win and, you know, compete for a championship. Uh, why wait till next year? If you're if you're completely medically cleared to be able to do it, you know, it, it was a gruesome injury, uh, you know, but the body reheals. Uh, it does heal, you know, and he's, I'm sure that they've done every step imaginable to make sure that he's completely healthy and, and be able to get out there. So, you know, if he can do it, by all means do it. I think everybody's praying for him and wishing him well and for a speedy recovery. So it'd be amazing to see him back on the court, you know, Ben, if he's no, you know, no risk to him, you know, you know, health-wise. It's kind of incredible that he's been able to be ahead on the recovery. The team has been able to perform the way in which they have. And the development of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Terry Rozier. Yeah, Rozier, who I want to talk about. Wow. All, all happening at the same time ha, ha, yeah. has been incredible. Uh, real quick before we, we run to one more break, what have you seen from Rozier, and how exciting is this guy? Yeah, I didn't know much about him the last couple of years. He, he plays sporadically, but you know, like I said, given minutes and given you know, an opportunity to shine, 
you know, guys, you can see there are a lot of talented players with, you know, within this league. So I believe he got triple double his first game out. Um, exciting, athletic, tenacious, a good defensive player. Um, you know, so they got something on their hands. It's tough playing behind Kyrie, but you can see that they got, you know, Brad, Brad is doing an amazing job with development, um, you know, putting guys in an opportune situation. I mean, his offensive sets are amazing. I would love to play for Brad Stevens. Um, so it, it's a full package, you know, with Southern. It's great front office, great coach, um, and, and a great team. Terry's really, really exciting, and the biggest Terry Rozier fan is Kyrie Irving, and that's just incredible to see. More on the NBA and more, unfortunately, on a major injury that happened last week when we come back on Kareem and the Coach on the Voice America Sports Network. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hunter participation plays a vital role in funding for wildlife management. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we'll talk about recruiting new hunters, hunter education, and so much more. Joining us is Allie and Adriana Armstrong of Grace, Camel, and Lace, Eva Shockey from Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, and Greg Randolph with Decked. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to Kareem and the Coach. Want to add your voice to the conversation? Call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or drop a line via email to kareemandthecoach at gmail.com. Now back to the show. And welcome back to Kareem and the coach, Kareem Rush, Eric Newman, breaking down the NBA trade deadline. Lots of insight today from Kareem, lots of moves to break down. And uh, one thing that got lost in the deadline this week, Kareem, is uh, the unfortunate injury to uh, Knicks all-star forward Kristaps Porzingis. What did you make of the injury, and uh, what does this mean for the Knicks rebuild? Uh, I mean, unfortunate. Um, you know, you never want to see guys go down. You know, I, I myself had an ACL microfracture injury, so you never. I know the process. You know, getting back from that is you know it's tough, and the road ahead of him is going to be long. But you know, 
they, I mean, medical advancements are you know pretty crazy this year. So I mean, he can he can definitely come back from this and be you know probably even better than he was. You know, so you're looking at it's not an end all. You know, it's, it's a wrap for the season. Um, but you know the way he was playing, you know this year, you know kind of the first year as being the face of you know the franchise. You know you've seen what you got in a player. You got the unicorn. You know so they got somebody they can kind of you know a pillow the franchise they can kind of build around, and you know do some things with. You know so it remains the same. They brought in Moutier. Um, you know I liked him coming out. Didn't really you know pan out in Denver. Uh, still need to work on his shot, but an uh, aggressive young player that can you know still develop. Uh, it was really about finding the set piece to put around, you know, KP and, you know, build from there. You mentioned Moutier. That, that deal also saves them from some money. Doug McDermott goes to Dallas. Devin Harris goes from Dallas to Denver. Moutier goes to New York. And as you said, uh, a young piece to see uh, if he fits for the future. Um, share with the audience what Porzingis has in store for him coming back from this and and obviously uh, you know he's seven three you're six six he's yeah. seven three i mean w- what kind of challenge is this for him now with the surgery the patience and then getting back at it and getting stronger and better than he was before the injury i mean he's a he's a face of the franchise player so he they're gonna have a schedule where he's you know it's not gonna be up to him you know he's gonna have his three half schedule where he's you know, doing, you know, four to six hours a day of, uh, of getting back to, you know, who he was, you know. So initially it's going to be a lot of time alone. You know, you're going to be away from the team. You're going to get to know your training staff and medical staff very well. You get tired of seeing them every day. Um, but if he, if he got the mindset to, you know, from the start to, you know, um, get past this and get better, you know, the road to recovery would be, you know, it'd be nice and swift. Uh, but you, you, you enjoy the process to get back to who you should be and, you know, work on being better and coming back a better player. You know, so you can take it either way. You can be down about it, or you can look at it as okay, it happened. Let me move forward and get get through this and get back to you know get back to playing. So I've got a question for you, and it's a theory I've had for quite a while. Right? You look at all of these six foot nine, six foot ten players and above that have had these lower extremity injuries at a young age. So now you're adding Porzingis to a list that includes Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Yao Ming, Blake Griffin. And this, of course, starts back in the day with what Bill Walton experienced over and over again, breaking his foot multiple times. My question for you is, is this coincidence or is this guys who are growing so fast playing so many games at a young age before their body has filled out and strengthened? I, I just find it hard to think this is a coincidence. All these big guys are having these lower extremity injuries at a young age. I mean, I think it's physics. I mean, you got, like I said, you got big body, you got mass, you know, exerting pressure on, 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 on certain things to eventually break. You know, you're not indestructible. So, um, you know, pressure on bones and, you know, things things happen. But uh, I, I mean, I like to see those numbers. I mean, I think injury is just kind of part of the game. You know, it, it's a fast-paced game. Guys are not, you know, they are on the perimeter a little bit more. They're not, you know, back to the basket being burly and just backing you down and, and, and being down there. So the game is a little bit more fluid. Guys are making more moves. You know, they're working on different things, crossing over and, and being more like guards. So these things are going to happen. And I forgot DeMarcus. DeMarcus, yeah, DeMarcus was a non-contact DeMarcus. Achilles tendon. Yeah. So I think mask and, 
yeah, this is it's part of the game. You're going to get hurt at some point. So are we going to start talking a little science and physics now on uh, the Yeah, we got to bring in our you know our medical team and tell them to break down the, the physics behind what happens in the knee joint when okay. it snaps. Because I, mean, I was by myself when I when I did my knee. I was backdoor layup all by myself. Now, I thought I got off the ground, but I, I've never watched the replay. But people who saw it said I never even left the ground. And my, my, my knee just kind of gave out on me. So is it the right knee or the left knee? It's my right knee. So the right knee. So you just planted to go up, and that was it. That was it. Ugh. That was it. Um, God, like, crazy story because I was I should have been playing. Uh, I think part of mine was due to not standing in routine because uh, I was traveling today. I thought I was going to miss the game. My daughter had surgery, and I, I flew back to uh, Columbia, Missouri, where, where, they were, where we're at, uh, to, to be part of a surgery. So I left the following morning to to come to a game in New Orleans. So I left early in the morning, uh, caught two flights, and ended up in New Orleans around 4 o'clock. So I, I, I ran for the, uh, the airport right to the arena. I didn't think Coach was going to play me. I warmed up for a little bit, and then within the first four minutes, he put me in the game. You know, So I get up and down the court a couple times, and I cut back door all by myself. Bam. ACL wow. microfracture. Oh. Everybody's like, why did he play you? <laughs> I should Mike Dunleavy, for you, you tore my ACL. Thank you, dude. Uh, Coach Dunleavy. Right, Coach well, Dunleavy. He apologized for me a year later. Like I should never play. I'm like, who, who cares about that? My knees tore up now. Uh, we're gonna have to find Dunleavy. So I saw him randomly. Yeah, I was on his radio show like a year and a half later. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of finding people, uh, in the few minutes we have left, we are uh, we are going to be out in L.A. for NBA All Star Weekend next week. Um, seeing some LA people. Turn up. The L.A. Turnup, having some conversations. Um, how exciting has All-Star become for you? Uh, forget the game and the contests and, and all that, but just the community of the NBA getting together and you being able to see so many people that were part of your past and journey. What, what kind of a, a week is that for you? It was always fun to come, come back and you know see old friends and, and, and be still involved in the game, you know, even though you've been retired for a while. Um, you, as, as a basketball player, you always, you always want to be associated with the NBA. You always, you always will be, um, you know, so they do a good job of you know, letting guys still be involved. Um, you know, so I'm excited. Last time I was in, uh, last time I also was in LA, I was playing for the Lakers. Um, so I know how, how much LA loves All-Star Weekend, so it should be a good fun, uh, fun time. And looking forward to kind of doing some radio stuff and, you know, talking to guys and seeing the games and, you know, obviously the parties and, and the weekend festivities are going to be on point. So all in all, it's going to be a good, good and fun weekend. Excited to be out there doing stuff with you and, you know, seeing what we can, you know, kind of uh, get get accomplished. Absolutely. It'll be a, it'll be a fun week ahead. Uh, putting you on the spot to close the show um, after this deadline and, and the All-Star game comes slightly after the halfway point of the season in terms of how many games played. So I'm putting you on the spot. I just need a quick answer and then we're done. Which team yep. will get hot and make that surprise move up the standings in the second half of the season? And your answer cannot be the Cavs. So which team is going to get hot and make that surprise move up the standings in the second half of the season? It will be... Who may get moves? That's a tough one. Miami. No, I mean... Uh, no, I'm, I'm going with... Uh, Detroit, Detroit basketball. Even though I hate to say that they beat us in final two thousand four, I think Blake and uh, Andre are going to be a good combo uh, as you get more comfortable. Uh, not that the, the East is not that strong, so uh, I, don't know, I forgot what position they in. I think they're right outside of the uh, the yeah, playoffs. Right now, on the edge. Right on the edge. I see them moving up and, and, and being a playoff team by 
end of the year. That's a good call. And uh, we, we said it last week that Blake Griffin and Stan Van Gundy could have a very successful coach-player partnership. Great show today, my man. Way to break it down. Kareem and the coach on Voice America Sports. We'll catch you again next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. And that's a wrap for today. Be sure to listen to Kareem and the Coach every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Keep your head in the game and have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week for more Kareem and the Coach.